Welcome to the Four Downs Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Kilby O'Rourke. With me today, we got Scott Smith and Andrew Scher. Scott, won't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I've been uh, kind of doing this fantasy football thing for a while, written for Rotoviz, and kind of been out there on a, on the Twitterverse, you know, doing this this whole fantasy thing because basically I'm a junkie. I hadn't done a podcast thing in a while. Uh, me and Andrew actually had a show on some college radio a few years ago until Andrew took a little time to finish school and be a big sports reporter these days. So we're kind of just getting back into it and having three guys talk a little bit of football and get back into some of the stats, some of the, the trash talk and try to get this thing going and, and see where it turns out and you know what we have to bring and kick it over to Andrew and see what he's got to say. Yes, yeah, Scott, I think you said it best, man. Just fantasy junkies. You know, that's kind of why we're doing this. You know, I, I've really enjoyed kind of my grind to where I'm at today. You know, I'm a, I'm actually a television reporter for anyone who doesn't know uh, at a local television station in Gulfport, Mississippi. First out of college, did some work with uh, WWL Radio, high school sports. Scott Smith himself set me up with that. Wrote for NOLA.com, and like you said, you know, we did some fantasy podcast and some fantasy writing. Just, you know, I think fantasy football is a great thing. I think that's why people are listening today, hopefully, to this, because fantasy football, it's not really an outlet, but, man, it's it's almost like a second job to people. I know, Scott, you're pretty serious with it. I play in 15 or so league. You know, I, I love taking it so serious. I kind of really hope that we can really bring some insight and kind of freshness to this to this newfound, I wouldn't even say hobby anymore. It's almost really like another sport. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, we had our, our old show going for a little bit. And I know school kind of caught up with you and life kind of caught up with me being a new dad. And, and now that my little guy's, you know, two, it's it's. It's time for me to get back in and ramp some things up. You know, we, we've got our, our Dynasty League that we've been playing on RSO, and that's that's where Kilby comes in and bringing him onto the team and and hoping that uh, we could get this little threesome going every week and, and, and turn some things out. So, Kilby, give us a little bit of insight about you and how you draft and some of that stuff and what you're going to bring. Yeah, exactly. I, well, I've been playing fantasy football for over 20 years now. Uh, watching how the games evolve and what you have to learn each year is really exciting for me. I've played everything from redraft to keeper leagues, and now I got to join this exciting dynasty league with you guys. And to be honest with you, it's it's been a game changer for me learning this aspect of it. As far as drafting goes, you know, I mean, it just depends for me, uh, especially in redraft. It just kind of comes down to to my landing spot as far as where I'm going to be picking from. If I'm picking up in, in the earlier of the rounds, it's more um, I typically take running backs early just because it's just tends to be more of a scarcity at that position. But once it gets towards, say, like the 10th, 11th, 12th round pick, I'll I'll tend to go towards more of wide receivers and kind of go from there. I just kind of let the draft come to me instead of me trying to force the situation. So that's where I'm at with that. Let's get into some news, guys. Really crazy stuff going on out there. We've got some running back holdouts going on. We've got Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon fighting for some more money. What do you guys think about the Ezekiel Elliott situation? You know, Jerry Jones came out and said they don't need a championship running back to win a Super Bowl. How do we feel about that? This is actually uh, something I want to hear from Andrew because we actually played in the league last year and, you know, he went that Le'Veon Bell route and, and still managed to scrap and grind to the end of the year and get into the playoffs after losing Bell as a, a number two overall pick. So I'm kind of interested to see how he's going to play and how he's going to feel about both Ingram and Zeke right now with the holdout and how he's willing to, to draft them if he's willing to draft them at all after uh, going that route with Bell last year. 
So, so I think what people need to take in mind here with Ezekiel Elliott is more from a take a look at it from a non-fantasy perspective. You know, if people do not know, I mean, we're hearing Michael Irving, which I believe he is a Cowboys insider. I can see that he has all these connections. He's reporting that the Cowboys are not even close. They're not even in the same stratosphere to get a long-term contract done with Zeke. So you're saying, what does that mean? If, you know, if you're drafting before August 6th, which is about the next week, you know, you might be nervous to take him or not. Well, here's my thing. I'm taking him third overall, honestly, because here's the thing about Zeke. Zeke, if he does not report to camp by August 6th, he does not occur a full season on his contract. So what that means is he will not be able to become an unrestricted free agent next year. I mean, if he if he shows up, he'll get that extra season. He can get tagged next year. And if he doesn't want to play next year, he sits out next year. But if he does not report by August 6th, and this was the same thing with Michael Thomas, and you saw that get done today, actually, with his deal. But if Zeke does not show up by August 6th, he can't get tagged next year. And if he can't get tagged next year, he's just going to keep setting himself back. So I, I would take Zeke wherever you're taking him normally and just wait till next year. I think a hold that would make sense for him next year if he does not want to play under that franchise tag. But he's got to show up by August 6th for that option. So, so how are you playing with Ingram? Because I think Ingram's a little bit different situation. My understanding is he has to report by week eight and play at least eight games to to get an accrued season toward free agency. So I, I think he's a little bit different situation, especially when you start looking at, at Austin Eckler and, and how he's performed in, the, in that offense and, and things like that. Me personally, my take is I don't even want to deal with the headache right now. I, you know, I, I like to play it a little bit safe whenever I'm drafting my first three rounds. Uh, you know, I want safety. I want guys that I, I can depend on. And, and at this point in time, for a first round, a borderline second round pick w- with Melvin Ingram, he's just not somebody I'm willing to risk it on until he reports. If my drafts are coming, I'm just passing on him. Now, I mean, you're saying Melvin Ingram. I'm just making sure we're Melvin Gordon, right? Melvin Gordon, excuse me. <laughs> no, you're good. No, you're good. Like, the first thing I thought of is I was like, man, I didn't know Mark Ingram's holding out. What's he holding out for? But anyway, you know, Melvin Gordon, I, I, I can't agree with you anymore on safety, especially after what we laughed at me for doing last year. You know, I went Le'Veon Bell just assuming that he would get it figured out. You know, I see the reports with Melvin Gordon. Apparently, they're 2 to $3 million apart in contract negotiations. I... My gut is saying that that gets resolved. I feel like that is not a lot of money. And with a team that is their Super Bowl window, in my opinion, is kind of closing fast just because of Rivers. You got Hunter Henry back. I'd be surprised if they don't get anything done. But you're right, Scott. I mean, look, we have another month of drafts to go. But right now, you're right. I'm probably not taking Melvin Gordon first overall. I actually moved him down in my rankings today. I think I put him at running back 10. I think I have him at running back 10 right now. But uh, you just got to be careful with it. Be careful with the holdout. But I think if you're drafting right now, you can't take him in the first round. You know, maybe at the end of the second, maybe. I feel like you can replace that production. You know, if you get Melvin Gordon in the second, maybe you can just jump early on Eckler and Jackson later in the draft. But I, I think you're right on. I think you cannot take Melvin Gordon first overall until he gets that, or in the first round until he gets that contract. I'm going to ask both of you guys and, and, and kind of see where the opinions is. You know, I moved him down. I, looking at our rankings right now, we have him 10, 11, and I'm the lowest on him at 12. Where is that line in the sand where when you're drafting and running backs are coming off the board that – you're willing to risk it because I'm looking at the guys that we have kind of afterwards. Uh, you're, you're talking about Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette, Devontae Freeman, those type of guys. And, you know, Carrion Johnson's a guy that's kind of shooting up a lot of draft boards and stuff right now. Where's the point of no return where you're like, Melvin Gordon's too good of a value right here to go ahead and pass up? Well, for me, I, I like him right there around that 11 range, to be honest with you, simply because 
he's really kind of backed into a corner in some degree because the way this whole running back situation is going, I mean, holding out is it, it, it's a difficult situation for everyone involved. For me, Melvin Gordon's one of those guys that he he's a great player, he's a great athlete, and you know when uh, when it comes down to it, I think he's going to end up caving and going to going to have to break one way or the other. From what I understand, both sides have a number. Neither one's willing to give right now, but I got a feeling in the end Melvin's going to give in and, and and take the money and run. Yeah, I I agree right that I think I think that's the range. You know, I'm actually the highest in our group on Carryon Johnson. We don't have to get into that now, but I have Carryon 11th, and then I kind of have Joe Mixon 12th. Joe Mixon in that Cincinnati offense, which I think even with AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, I I, I just I don't like that offense at all. So I, I think I do not see a scenario where I would take. Joe Mixon ahead of Melvin Gordon. So I think right around that 10-11 range, just think you have to grab him. Yeah, and we'll have to pay attention to things, you know, more as the information comes out. And, you know, hopefully, I know a lot of people try to do their fantasy drafts right after that week three preseason game. Hopefully this isn't something that's lingering into to the week. Because this is a situation that I, I hate the most. Because at some point in time during the draft, you have a guy like Melvin Gordon who has to go. And the later it goes into some of these drafts, the more of an advantage you get if he does come back. You know, and if you're going to draft him, you can kind of start paying attention and loading your roster to where I'm going to go ahead and take this guy and sit on him for eight weeks until he comes back. And then when he comes back, you might have a three-headed monster running back. If you go running back, running back, and in that third or fourth round, you start kind of flirting with, are you going to go with Melvin Gordon or not? Andrew, you were kind of talking about the, the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Mixon and, you know, the hot news right now in preseason is injuries with A.J. Green. You know, A.J. Green actually had surgery. They're talking about he's going to miss games now. So I'm interested to hear from from a couple of you guys and see how y'all had A.J. Green ranked prior going into this. I actually moved him down. You know, I had to move. I had to go ahead and move some other guys up a little bit. But but I actually moved A.J. Green down to wide receiver 26. So, so Kilby, you know, where do you have him ranked? How are you kind of monitoring this situation? You know, what do you, what you feeling towards AJ Green right now? Well, I originally had him ranked 14th. I'm with Andrew on this as far as I'm, I'm not a big fan of this Bengals offense. Uh, I haven't been for a long time going through a coaching change and everything that's going on there right now. Now that he's gone down with an ankle injury, I mean, it just really, it's one of those things to be all honest, I'm, I'm going to avoid him at all costs, unless it just comes at an absolute value. You're not going to see AJ Green on my team. I hate for the guy he's a, an incredible talent and to see this happen so early and with the injuries he's had in the past it, you just kind of hate it for the guy so you, you just kind of hope that he's able to come back from this injury and bounce back from it and be able to produce at some point in time a, a good season but we know how ankle injuries are they they sometimes have a tendency to linger and for me I, I just have to back off you know it's so funny the irony in myself saying i don't want a part of this this nasty Bengals offense yet i have like I originally had aj green top 12 and i have tyler boyd top 24 and i have joe mixon top 12 so man I'm, I, I don't know but um <laughs> you know I, I moved aj green down actually uh you know as of right now i moved him down i think i have him in the 14 range 16 actually to be exact kilby's got him 14 right now i'm not I, i'm not super concerned to be honest just because I, I i'm i've always kind of been a huge believer in just talent trumping all now aj aj's had some injury issues in the past but it's been some weird stuff literally he tore his hamstring i mean i don't you know he, he tore that hamstring i mean that that kind of 
of just happened. The only issue with AJ that he's had is he's had a lingering right big toe issue. He's missed like a combined, I think, 10 games over a few seasons with that same toe issue. So that's what I'm concerned about. The ankle injury is kind of, they said they just was kind of a cleanup surgery. They did say it was minor. And I mean, I just look at AJ last year and the games he played last year, he was averaging 16 points a game. That was good enough for wide receiver one. To 2017, he was number 10. I just, the guy is a freak talent. 2016, he goes down with that toe injury. Through 10 games, he's at about 70 catches for 1,000 yards. AJ is a freak talent. And I just think if he's healthy, I think he's easily, I mean, I guess I won't say easily a wide receiver one because I had him in that 10-ish range, but he's definitely a wide receiver one. And if I'm on draft day and I see AJ slip to the third round, I'm jumping all over that. I think if you could start your draft, let's say you draft second overall and you can get Saquon Barkley, you know, you come back on that turn and maybe you want to kind of go crazy and go, I don't know, a wide receiver, wide receiver, go Evans and Green if Evans would fall that far, something like in that range or even go with Kelsey and a Green. I think you're in a good spot. I, I don't, I know it might be a risk, but I think in the third round, again, you can replace that. So just me, to challenge that, that thought process real quick, you start looking at AJ Green, you don't have any fears that we're, we're looking at another Doug Baldwin situation where you had Doug Baldwin last year trying to get healthy, dealing with injury. I mean, the guy just had surgery, you know, reports are coming out from Michael Rappaport. He's going to miss games. Even with that, you, you're not going to discount AJ Green anymore. You're still comfortable taking taking him in the third round. Yeah, I think so. And I don't, I don't really, I politely don't agree with the Doug Baldwin take just because of the fact that a few of us were stupid and drafted Baldwin anyway. Last year, he was saying, guys, I'm not like, I'm not hundred percent. He was saying, I'm not healthy until I get that from AJ Green, where AJ's like, oh, I'm not healthy. I'm not going to, I'm not really going to really care for it. I mean, he's six to eight weeks out and that's from right now. I mean, you still have four weeks of preseason. Yeah, actually, I think preseason, I mean, what are we, six weeks from week one? I think if, if you're telling me AJ is going to miss two games and he'll be back in week three, I really, I'd, I would feel comfortable. I'd have to look at my rankings again, but I would probably, like my overall rankings, I'd feel comfortable taking him at the end of, in the middle of round third. I mean, you got to think, you got your top 12 running backs, your top 12 receivers, that's 24 picks right there. You have your Kelsey, your Ertz, your Kittle. That's around 28 guys, 27 guys. I would surely be fine taking AJ Green at the end of the third round just for that upside. I, I think if you can start your draft with two really good players, I mean, you could even maybe combat it with, I think I have Michael Thomas ranked fifth. You could take someone like a Michael Thomas, who's probably one of the safest players in the first two rounds. Like someone like that, I think if you take safe players your first two picks, why not roll the dice on AJ Green? I think that could be something that could win someone a league. So in the third, you're saying you'd take him in the third towards the end of the third probably i'd have to readjust my top 200 actually this is actually a good thing right here i didn't update my top 200 since the aj green injury so i mean looking at it now before the injury i had green actually 25th overall so if i if you bump him down 12 spots that's 37th overall that'd be the beginning of the fourth round so you put him in, so if he knocks down 11 spots which he probably would because i knocked him down a few rankings in the positional rankings for wide receiver i would take him at the end of the third his I, current I mean, adp right now is is at wide receiver 14 pick 36 so that's the end of the third round but when i start looking at the players that are around there you've got amari cooper just ahead of them stefan diggs just behind them i would definitely be more comfortable with taking either one of those two players over him i'm just i mean it's me i'm gonna have to get a discount i, I don't know what this new offense is gonna look like we're talking about andy dalton i, I know you said you have tyler boyd ranked kind of high in your, your top 24 25 range i just don't see andy dalton being able to support 2,000 yard receivers if aj's gonna miss two or three games i'm gonna have to get at least a round to a round and a half discount before i start considering them over some of their guys 
I mean, to be honest with you, I'd probably have a hard time picking AJ Green over Chris Godwin right now. You know, well, I'm not... if, if I'm thinking AJ Green's going to be missing some games. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at your rankings. I, I mean, look, it's teach their own, of course. I mean, I'm a firm believer in if you're listening to this podcast right now and you don't agree with me and you like your guy, you get your guy. I've always kind of been that kind of guy. I think if you like your guy, you get him. But I just see someone like in our rankings right now, you have Tyler Lockett over AJ Green. I could not imagine a world where I draft Tyler Lockett over AJ Green. I think oh, that's and we'll, we'll get into Tyler Lockett. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because that's not something I'm comfortable with. So let's move on. You know, we, we hit the AJ Green thing. I'm just going to run through other injuries real quick, and you tell me whether or not either one concerned you. Derrick Henry, he's in a walking boot. They're saying two weeks. Kilby, you have concerns? No, I don't have any concerns. He's he's projected to come back and be back by week one. He's already shed the boot. They're only expecting him to miss those two weeks. So no, I don't I don't really have any concern there. Andrew. No concerns at all. All right, let's see. The next one, Andrew Luck has been dealing with a calf injury. They've kind of like pulled the reins back on him. He hasn't practiced the last two days. This is something that's been going on for about two months. So behind the scenes, if they're pulling him back, any concerns there? I would have some concerns, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to hit the panic button here. We've seen the Colts do this starting back from last season with the shoulder injury, which was it's a far worse situation there. And we, calf strains, they, they can last for a little while, but in this situation, I think they're just, they're just trying to protect their quarterback right here. I mean, not overexert him, save him for the season here. Yeah, no concerns on my end until week three of the preseason. If I don't see him out week three of preseason, then I'm going to really drop him down far in my rankings. The, the only thing I would note for fantasy drafters to pay attention to is this goes back to the Doug Baldwin situation. Andrew Luck is telling the media he has been backtracking. He's been backtracked because of this, and he's not feeling right. So I, I think that's something to key in on, but I'm not, I'm not freaking out yet. Yeah, a couple of other guys, none of them that I personally see as being a, a major injury issue. You know, Jameson Crowder's been dealing with a foot. Supposedly everything came out good. He's going to go ahead and work through that. Mike Evans has been dealing with some lower leg injuries. The reports that I'm getting has been cramps. Andrew, you want to go ahead and hit on that? I know you've been kind of following Evans a little bit as well. Yeah, my notes say, nah, dude, stay hydrated. So I'm going to go with that. Stay hydrated. He's used cramps. It was a, it's funny. It was a huge fuss yesterday the the way apparently the video looked is people thought he like shredded his whole leg and he was like his towel over his head getting off the field so but they said he's good just cramps so he's in south florida so he's just gotta stay hydrated yeah kelby tyree kills another one looks like a bruised thigh tyree's been in the media for a bunch of other things you know the, the mccall hardman hype train hit for a while when it looked like Tyreek Hill was going to be missing but now that's come to a halt you have any issues or any worries or concerns with Tyreek Hill and his thigh injury I'm more worried about Tyreek Hill off the field than I am on the field. So that that's kind of where I stand with that. I mean, it's a quad contusion. They're saying it's not serious. I mean, we're still early on. We've got a few weeks. Yeah, and the last three we're looking at, Devin Funches got hearted off. I haven't seen the update on him. Latavius Murray's another one that's kind of been sidelined a little bit with the Saints. Damian Williams, a guy that a lot of people are hyped up on there in that Kansas City offense. You know, he's he's had a little bit of an injury issue as well, which has kind of opened the door for Darwin Thompson in the Chiefs six-round pick. Yeah, you know, Damian Williams is going to be, I feel like it's going to be the, the great fantasy mystery this year, I, I think. I think Damien is going to make or break 
teams. I, I think if Damian shows up and he does what he can do over a full season, you might see uh, a lot of championship teams with Damian Williams on that roster. As far as Latavius Murray, that kind of intrigued me. I know we'll get into a certain running back a little bit later, Scott, but you know, I was actually at Saint Camp, Saints camp last week and Latavius looked fine to me. He actually looked good. Drew Brees talked him up so I just I think he might have just missed a day might have been something simple but I don't think it's anything to be concerned about right now yeah I think that about does it for injuries so Kilby lead us away yeah we're gonna move on to change my mind guys we all uh, decided to ask some questions about the season and here we go Andrew you say you're high on Jameis Winston tell us a little bit about that yeah change my mind I I <laughs> I would love to, I need to find a way to compare myself to other fantasy analysts in the industry because I currently have Jameis Winston as my number seven overall quarterback. So either of you guys, you can dig into me, lay into me, lay into me, tell me why I'm stupid, and I'll fight back later. Kilby, I'll let you go ahead and start this off. (laughs) I'm not going to say you're crazy. I mean, we know what Bruce Arians can do with the quarterback position. My only thing there is Jameis tends to do Jameis things on the field. If Bruce Arians can uh, really rein him in and get him going, I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. But also, he's in a contract year, so he knows he's under the gun as far as whether he's going to keep this job or not. I probably wouldn't take him that high, personally, but I wouldn't say you're crazy for it. Yeah, so this is where I have to. Kind of, I have to get a little bit of clarity. So you have him ranked as your QB seven, but where are you looking to take him? Because right now he's being taken, uh, uh, you know, in, in drafts as the QB fifteen around pick one twelve. So, you know, you're getting into like the tenth round there. So, so where is that line that you're looking that round that you're trying to grab him in? That's super subjective, in my opinion. Um, just because it's always hard to put a round value on quarterbacks. I know that sounds weird, but you know, quarterbacks there are drafts. You know, I have a home league. Uh, I'm not going to call it anybody, but I, I you know, I, I've seen a quarterback go in the first round. I think it just really depends on where you're at. I mean, if you're asking me, if you're asking me how long I'm going to wait, I mean, I'm just going to wait until it gets to that range because I don't think anyone is going to take Jameis as early as I will. Like, let's say I have Jameis number seven overall um, and consensus has Jameis at 15. I'll probably, once it gets to that round once 11 quarterbacks are off the board, I'll probably nab him. But I mean, once I get, I mean, or just once I'm confident with my team, here, here's my thing about Jameis Winston is I know Kilby touched on a little bit. Bruce Arians is a quarterback whisperer. Last year, if you guys had to guess, I'm, that's kind of subjective too, I guess. Do you think Jameis on a per game basis was a quarterback one last year? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I know what the stats were. His big issue was turn, turnovers last year. When you start looking at the volume and looking at what he did, you know, nothing he did last year w- was actually out of the completely out of the realm of what he's done over his career. All of his numbers, you know, were within a normal, r- normalized range of, of outcomes for, for what he has produced, you know, earlier. So, you know, I absolutely think, you know, from a, a, a QB1 standpoint, he's in that range. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 just, I see you have him ranked 17. So that, that just kind of threw me off a little bit. But I look at someone like Ben Roethlisberger. Through 18 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. Bruce Arians comes to town. He's 32 touchdowns, 11 interceptions the next year. He had another 26 and 12 year, a 17 and 5 year, uh, 26 and 8 year, all under Bruce Arians. And I think Bruce Arians can do wonders. He's kind of already spoken about just Jameis and how he's kind of the ideal quarterback talent wise that he thinks he can coach. I mean, and then you look at Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard. We're all pretty high on Godwin, I have to assume. I have got Godwin as wide receiver 20 right now. I think I'm probably going to boost him up a little bit. I think he's going to be tremendous. 
OJ Howard. I mean, I, I think if we all think that Evans and Godwin are going to be both top 20 receivers with Evans being top 10 and OJ Howard has the potential to be tight end one, like he, he could be tight end one theoretically. I mean, I don't think he can get there, but he's got that top three tight end potential. I mean, come on. Jameis has to be a top 10 quarterback at that point. Last year, he played in 11 games. One of those games was a half game. So it's about 10 and a half games. He was averaging 22.2 fantasy points per game. I just, I really like Jameis Winston. And I think he is going to be a steal in a lot of leagues, especially in two quarterback leagues. I think if you can, you know, grab a quarterback kind of high and then grab a Jameis late, I think you could be really taken to the top in that league. Now for another discussion, I'll end it with this. Another discussion in the future is, in my opinion, I think, the top I think I think like there's 22 quarterbacks who could poten- potentially be top 12 so I think all these guys are kind of jammed in together and and that's kind of that's kind of what I get is you start looking at Jameis Winston you look at the Tampa Bay offense they don't have a running game right now you know last year the you know one of the big stats I look at is how much they passed the ball but specifically with Jameis Winston one of the places where he was like in the top of the league is it with his yardage distribution so 69 percent of his yardage that he produced came in the air only 31 percent of that was yards after catch which was number one in the league you know you start talking about can he you know can he support all of those receivers that he has everybody's high on Godwin as a breakout guy this year we, we talk about Mike Evans only him, A.J. Green, and Randy Moss started off the first five years of their career with, with five 1,000-yard seasons. And last year, Mike Evans had 1,524 yards. You start looking at some of the strength of schedule things, per Warren Sharp, Winston's set to face one of the easiest pass defenses strength of schedule in a, the 2019 year. All of those things are good. The issue is, you look at the bench in last year, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is gone. He's over there in Miami. It's a new coach and staff. He's probably going to have more of a leash. but he hasn't put it together yet in a complete season. So while I see the ceiling being there, I also see the floor where the bottom can fall out. And that's for me, that's why I'm pricing him, you know, in the range lower than what you are outside of those top 12. You've got some guys like Drew Brees and all getting older, even Tom Brady with losing some weapons. I'm still going to kind of lean on that known quantity there. That ceiling is not going to be as high. But I also don't think I'm going to have games where the bottom completely falls out and I'm looking at multiple four interception games in a season. Also add in the fact that they're going to probably have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. That is oh, they're going to be in shootouts again. I was about to say the exact same thing. I was just looking at it there. The way I see it, they're projected as one of the last defense that you would even want to have. Tampa Bay's looking awful in that area, so they should be throwing the ball a lot. So and you know real- how Bruce Arians likes to throw the ball. so I, I love it. it. The real question is, is, have we changed your mind? No, he's QB7. Kind of the way you were talking is I, I wanted to see you bump up number 17 to number to number 10 or something, Scott. But, I mean, look, again, <laughs> I mean, look, uh, again, again, I mean, I, I might look into some projection data, you know, before the season starts. But, like I said, I think there could – I could see a way where Jameis is literally separated. These guys are separated by, like, 15 or 20 points. I mean, it could literally be just – Oh, yeah, quarterback's deep this year. And I think from a logic standpoint, if you're going to be looking at rankings and doing projections and just look at three guys, you know, we, we talked about Mike Evans, we talked about Godwin, and you start talking about tight end risers. And if all three of those guys are going to be ranked where we have them, then Jameis has to have a good a good season. Exactly. All right, guys, the issue I'm having is with the guy we, we kind of talked a little bit about earlier, but Tyler Lockett. Right now, I have him ranked 23, which is in line with his ADP. 
last year he had a ridiculous season and it all came from an efficiency standpoint. We're talking about 57 receptions on 71 targets and had 10 touchdowns. That was good for a wide receiver 16 season in PPR. We're talking one touchdown every five and a half times he touched the ball. You know, that's one touchdown every seven times he was targeted. That's just ridiculous. And that's not even where it stops. You know, we start looking at some of the other stats that you can get on playerprofile.com. Yards per route, 13.6 was good for first. Catch rate, 80.3% was good for fourth among wide receivers. Production premium, plus 57, was also first in the league. Target premium, plus 46.5, third in the league. Contested catch rate, 88.9%. He's a little bitty guy. How in the hell's first in the league for contested catches? And then when we start talking about Russell Wilson and the Seattle offense, who, by the way, passed the ball the least amount last year, only passed the ball 47%, was dead last in the league. Russell Williams threw touchdowns. He threw touchdowns at 8.2% last year. That's ridiculous. That's right under, you know, some of the stuff that was going on in the Chiefs offense. His career rate for Russell Wilson is 7% touchdown rate. So just from an efficiency standpoint, it's just an outlier season that I I just feel disgusted having him at 23 because I don't think that he can go ahead and, and recreate that season. Now, Doug Baldwin's going, can he go ahead and do it with, with volume? You know, are they going to kick the kick the passes up enough? They did get DK Metcalf, but there's nothing else on that offense as far as wide receivers go. You're talking about Gary Jennings, David Moore, wide receiver 23. I feel disgusted by it, but I have a hard time moving him down into that other range where the wide receivers start to fall off. And I went back 10 years, 10 years. There has not been another wide receiver in the top 20 that has put in a top 20 wide receiver season on 70 targets. The closest that I could get, you go back to 2011 and we're talking about Lawrence Robinson, you know, did it on 80 targets, but also had 11 touchdowns and Tavon Austin got close, but that was the year that they were using him as a running back and a gadget player where he had like 400 yards, you know, rushing and, and some other things. It's like, am I crazy for having him at 23? Do we all need to kind of reevaluate this and move him down? Yeah. So, you know, Scott, you kind of just, I feel like you're trying, you're asking if, you know, you're crazy, but I, I think you're, you're all your arguments kind of prove that you yourself know you're crazy. I mean, look, Tyler Lockett, you know, I have him as receiver number 27. Here's here's something that really kind of blows my mind. That it might blow anyone's mind listening right now. Last year, Michael Thomas had one of the, it was arguably one of the, one of the best seasons that a wide receiver's had in a few years. Michael Thomas is probably known as one of the most efficient receivers and just catching his balls. He had 85% catch percentage. 125 receptions, 147 targets. Tyler Lockett caught 81% of the balls thrown his way. It doesn't really make much sense. 57 catches, 70 targets. On a team, like you mentioned, Scott, dead last in passing passing attempts. 427 passes. I think to believe and to expect Tyler Lockett to put up a top 20 season, I think it's, 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 it's lunacy. I think it's crazy. I think you have to just be kind of patient with him and I think that's someone that I would probably welcome as wide receiver four on my team if I could grab him that late but I think anyone grabbing Tyler Lockett as their second receiver is just it's just too much of a risk I mean you know I'm not super high on DK Metcalf either but they did bring him in I mean they made sure to bring him in they they have Rashard Penny who they're going to want to become a larger part of their offense I mean I could see them running the ball more than they did last year which is kind of insane to think about so 
I think after saying all that, though, I will say this. Last year, I was pretty low on Alvin Kamara because a lot of the things Alvin Kamara did last year just didn't add up. It kind of just seemed like an outlier. It seemed like a fluke. But what did Kamara do? He kind of replaced it. And he did that. On the flip side, again, Kamara's a running back. He gets handed the ball and he makes plays. Tyler Lockett is a wide receiver. So he's got to get that passing volume to continue it. But I, I do think you're a little crazy, Scott. But I, I'd probably put him no later than receiver number 30 probably. So I just, I think Tyler Lockett, just do not rely on that man to be your wide receiver too. I'm going to step in here because I actually have Tyler Lockett one position higher than Scott here. Doug Baldwin's gone. You know how um, how it's going to go. I mean, Tyler Lockett's going to get a pounded with the targets. I mean, yes, they are more of a running game. I mean, just recently I read where Jaron Brown was getting spoken to. They're moving him around into a lot of different positions uh, on the field as far as like hitting all the wide receiver spots. And he was quoted saying that they were planning on opening up the playbook. What, you know, is that just something that, is that coded? Is that something he's just saying to just say it and put it out there to try to trick people? I don't think so. I, th- I think maybe they're going to look at it and try to go a different route this year. I mean, Tyler Lockett's got the speed. You know, Russell Wilson, I mean, he's going to scramble around. He's going to throw it to his favorite target. I'm not saying it's too crazy that he can put up those numbers again. It's, it's up there, that's for sure, but I'm not going to say that it can't be done. What would you think, though, if you mean, like, so you got to look at Lockett last year. I mean, last year he had three catches per game. He had, I think, like 11 yards, 11 air yards per target. He was like 60th in yards after the catch. I mean, it, it was, it's just, it seems like it was just kind of super fluky long ball stuff. I mean, the guy doesn't have an, ex, you know, an expansive route tree five red zone receptions last year. I mean, is can, can you reliably expect Tyler Lockett to come out and be a completely different player, though? Like, do you expect him to come out and be more of a route runner? I mean, I just feel like Tyler Lockett's a burner, and he's going to try to take the top off. Yeah, I, I just feel dirty about it all the way around. Even if he gets the target volume, there's no way he's putting up 10 touchdowns again this year. I just... I don't see it. The touchdowns slow down. He had nine touchdowns in his first 12 games last year and then one over the last five, including playoffs. So it's it's something that I have to reevaluate. And this is part of going through the rankings in the preseason and making those adjustments. But I'm leaning towards moving them down. But the problem I start to look at is who am I moving up ahead of them? You know, some of the guys that I actually I'm kind of high on. I just I don't know if I'm that high on them to move them up into a situation you know, where I think they're, they're better than, than Tyler Lockett. I just, I, I don't know where I feel at this point on him. So you would take, I'm just, I'm looking at your rankings right now. So, I mean, around that range, you would take Tyler Lockett over Cooper Cup. That kind of, that that's interesting to me that that sticks out. Yeah. So I'm a high, I'm, I'm very high on Cooper Cup. Like he's on a number of my rosters, my dynasty teams and whatnot, but Cooper Cup's coming off of an injury. You start looking at it, and that's the issue that I have with rankings when we start looking at things. There's only been one quarterback in the history of the NFL to support 3,000-yard receivers, and that's Peyton Manning. Do we think that Jared Goff's going to go ahead and, and support Robert Woods, you know, Brandon Cooks, and Cooper Cup? And if I have to pick which guy is going to fall out of that mix of, of trying to get that to that 1,000 yards, it, to me it's going to be Cooper Cup because of the injury. And so, yeah, I have Cooper Cup down in that, that 27 to 30 kind of range just off of the injury. You know, if something changes my mind that I see in preseason games, I might adjust it. But as of right now, I probably would take Tyler Lockett over Cooper Cup. 
Well, that's kind of a good comparison. I'm not trying to make this keep lingering on, but I mean, Cooper Cup last year was obviously, he was on pace for, when he got hurt, he was on pace for 12 touchdowns, 80 catches, 1,100 yards, almost 1,200 yards, which is ridiculous. Like that that touchdowns are not going to happen like that again. But someone like Cooper, I mean, like I I look at Tyler Lockett like this. If you're telling me Cooper Cup's going to come out and catch 75 balls for 800 yards and six touchdowns I think that probably is a better year than Tyler Lockett I just I don't know I, I just I don't see the upside I, I think last year was Lockett's upside put it that way I, I would be shocked if Lockett finishes top 20. Yeah this is something I'm definitely gonna have to linger on and I don't want to keep it lingering on the show but I mean it, it's sleepless nights over here sleepless nights <laughs> in the Smith household so uh, I'll kick it over to Kilby and, and, and we'll see if we can change Kilby's mind. Yeah, guys, uh, I can't find a reason why I want to draft any Patriot players in 2019. Changed my mind here. I'll start. I think it's perfectly understandable. Gronk's out of the league. So a lot of people are scared. You know, what's going to happen with Gronk and that, that Patriots offense without Gronk? And and I think it's it's normal, you know, to, to go ahead and look at it. And, you know, when we start using the Game Splits app over at Rotoviz, you start looking at Tom Brady with and without Gronk. And Tom Brady loses about five fantasy points per game without Gronk. However, what about Julian Edelman? What about James White? When we start looking at those guys, you know, Julian Edelman goes ahead and and, and gains about a a point and a half to almost two points, you know, without Gronk. James White, same thing. Averages 11.04 points when when Gronk's on the field, 13.2 PPR points when he's out. You know, so so you start looking at those things and, and where is the point of no return? And what are you willing to pay for, for those type of guys? I think Tom Brady's one of those quarterbacks that we talked about earlier falls out of the quarterback one, you know, debate for me. I, I think I have him ranked outside of the top 12, you know, for the quarterbacks. But but Julian Edelman's going off the board right now as a wide receiver 17. I think I have him ranked as a wide receiver 16. And you start talking about James White. He's the running back 26 right now. So you start looking at those guys. I think I'm willing to take those two guys. I think Edelman's going to be one of the guys that goes off the board a little bit earlier than what I'm willing to take him. But I think James White's definitely a guy that I'm willing to take. You know, in 2019, he's not somebody that's scaring me off. So I think he should definitely be on your radar. radar. I mean, Andrew, what do you think? Well, let me just, um, Kilby, just a quick question here. Are you just not really interested in drafting them at all? Or are you kind of just talking at their ADP, if that makes sense? More or less just their ADP. I mean, ADP. If, if, if I really had to be talked into one, it would definitely be James White. Julia Elman, I, th- I think he's going a little way too high for me. I mean, the way I see it, it looks like it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Kill Harry as far as stretching the field at all. I mean, what do we got? We got Philip Dorsett, who has some rapport with Tom Brady. The way I see it, it's just going to be a lot of the running game. And on top of that, I mean, you got Sony Michelle. Uh, sorry, uh, Damian Harris. Yeah, Damian Harris. I can't believe it. I just slipped on his name. You, you still good. got Rex Burkhead uh, lingering around, Brandon Bolden. You never know who Belichick's going to go with in that situation sometimes. I mean, I can see him really leaning on Sony Michelle, but can we really count on him staying healthy? So anyway, basically what I'm saying is you can talk me into James White if the value is there, but outside of that, I'm just not seeing much I like. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, I think I know you mentioned that, you know, you're kind of at their ADP. I think James White is someone you should definitely not even blink twice on. I I think his ADP is around 64. That's kind of round six. I think that's a steal. I would 
honestly be comfortable as James White as my second running back. He was top 10 last year. I know that might be kind of be a fluke, but just what White has shown is not only his ability to catch the ball, and he had almost 90 catches last year, but he, he's been averaging four yards a carry for the last three years. I mean, he's just been a really consistent source of of, of just fantasy points, especially in a PPR league. So I think you should definitely not be afraid of James White. And I think kind of goes back to Edelman and what you mentioned. You mentioned it's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking. Look, no Gronk, Edelman and White could easily both catch 100 balls this year. And I think in a PPR league, it's not sexy. Like, hey, maybe Edelman might not blow the doors off and have a 30-point week. But if this dude can, can consistently get 16 to 18 points, give me that all day. I would not be scared off of those two guys. And look, as I was, I've mentioned to Scott before, I, depending on the value again, I would not be scared of Sony Michelle. I mean, I'm kind of nervous about him particularly, but if you take it as in, I could get Sony Michelle at a good price and then I can get Damian Harris, especially in redraft leagues, you might be able to get Damian Harris in the last round. I think that's possible. I think if you can get Sony Michelle and Damian Harris, I think that's, that's an RB2 right there. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be too scared. I'll tell you my main concern with James White. I really like the player. What scares me most about him is Bill Belichick and what he decides to do with that running back rotation. I mean, James White was off to an amazing season last last year, and then, you know, out of nowhere, Belichick decided just not to really even use him anymore. So, I mean, for me, that's that's my biggest concern as far as taking him. Now, if I could take him and he, and he jumps off to a great start like he did last year, I'd probably be looking to move him just just based on that, just to see what I can get out of him. My counter to that is, I agree with you, I think Belichick is an interesting coach when it comes to that, but I mean, you look at White last year, he went off, there was a drop-off, there was there was one week where he caught one ball, uh, he ran the ball, but he ran the ball nine times, he came back and caught seven passes the next week, then he caught two passes, then he caught five, then he caught two, then he caught four, but I think White, I think really James White has his role carved out, there's really no one on that team who can catch the ball out of the backfield like him. Damian Harris can't, Sony Michelle can be a viable pass-catching running back, but he won't be James White. I, I think James White and Julian Edelman are probably the two players on that team who have their roles carved out, and I, I would be shocked to see them get out of those roles. Yeah, and you know, just to kind of add in on this, like you start looking at some of those guys, that offense isn't just going to be stagnant, not with Tom Brady, not with, with the coaching staff that, that's calling the plays and stuff there. You've got a guy in Maurice Harris that's walling out so far in training camp. And I'm not saying go ahead and draft him, but he's a guy that can be on a radar as a dart throw, depending upon what he does here in preseason. He could be a Chris Hogan. And Chris Hogan was a guy who fell flat on his face last year, but a lot of people were drafting him in like the fifth round. If you could get somebody that's putting up Chris Hogan or falls into that type of you know, those type of numbers and that type of role within that offense, that's worth a dart throw for me in the 15th, 16th round. What Andrew touched on with it with Damian Harris, Damian Harris is another one like he's not going high. You know, a lot of people are scared off Sony Michelle. I think Sony Michelle is going to end up dropping based upon drafts that I've been in already. He's he's going later in what his, his normal ADP range kind of looks at. I think there's going to be some value to be had on this Patriots offense. I think they're going to end up being more run heavy than what they've been in years, but it's not so it's not a team of players and, and, and prospects that I'm getting scared off from drafting. So that's how I feel about the Patriots. Now we're going to move on to three and out to end the show. Each of us picked out three players that we're watching for the preseason and training camp. So I'm going to start with Scott here. What are three guys that you are watching right now in training camp? You know, we talked about Lamar Murray, I mean, Latavius Murray and the Saints a little bit earlier. And one of the guys that's got my eye that I'm kind of interested in is Divine Azigbo out of Nebraska. And particularly, you know, I was kind of surprised that he didn't get drafted. 
He's got good metrics. He caught the ball well at Nebraska, but specifically with Sean Payton and this New Orleans offense, they've had a history of developing undrafted running backs, and their scouting department does really well. And I think if uh, anything happens with Latavius Murray, I think Devon Zigbo is a guy that you can kind of keep an eye on if you're in deep dynasty leagues. He's definitely a stash, and and he's somebody that's got my eye and piquing my interest here in preseason. What do you guys think? I I think, Scott, I'm happy you mentioned him. You know, I, as I said earlier, I had the privilege of going out to Saints camp last Friday for day one of training camp for them. And, you know, all eyes were kind of on Jared Cook, Latavius Murray. But there was this kid. He was a short guy. He just looked really good between the tackles. He broke off a few runs, caught the ball well. Latavius Murray looks pretty good. I think we were all impressed by him, but we were really impressed by by Divine. And that kind of caused me to really start thinking at that point. So I went home last Friday night, did my research. You know, you're right, Scott. I'm surprised this guy didn't get drafted. Uh, I didn't know much about him heading into the draft, but he was just someone who looked really good. And I think, again, I think this is someone who's right up Sean Payton's alley, like you mentioned, especially because Latavius, I, I like Latavius Murray a lot this year. I'm probably pretty high on him, but Divine might have to cause me to put that down. But Someone like Devine, I think he gives you a better pass-catching ability out of the backfield than Latavius Murray. And he kind of profiles, in my opinion, like Mark Ingram. I I think he could be a better Mark Ingram than Latavius Murray could be a better Mark Ingram. So I couldn't agree more. I think that's someone who we're really going to have to pay attention to in the preseason, especially for redraft leagues. I think if you're drafting early, I I mean, you're 16th round guy, you're going to drop anyway. Uh, I'd pick him out and just see if you can get yourself the next Mark Ingram, at least fantasy-wise. Yeah, I'll move on to my second guy. Antonio Callaway out there in Cleveland. You know, I know Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are going to get all the all the hype along with Baker Mayfield. But hear me out on this. All right, I, I know some of the information coming out of camp right now is that Baker Mayfield's developing quite the rapport with Rashard Higgins. But you know, I was kind of watching it today at, at training camp and on NFL Network. Look, if Jarvis Landry goes down, Antonio Callaway is going to get a lot to me and enough targets to where. He could be in that wide receiver three range, you know, here and there. And he's going to have some big games. You know, last year, consistency was a little bit of an issue. But but he put up decent numbers for a rookie wide receiver and got open. His issue was drops and consistency. So I think when you start looking at the pedigree and, and the talent, I think the talent is there. He's, he's not going to have the volume right off the bat. But if you want to talk about a guy to keep on your radar and, and, and see how he turns out, I think you're going to see in the preseason in the games when, when the lights are on, Antonio Galloway is going to be one of the guys that's showing out. What do you think, Kilby? Well, interesting you say that. Yeah, I've heard the same reports about the Rashard Higgins. My main thing is whether Baker Mayfield trusts him or not. The drops last year were definitely huge watching some of those. They were just, I mean, wide open, big drops. For me, if Jarvis Landry goes down, I think the guy that's going to come up next big for me is going to be David Njoku. I'm looking for him to take a next step forward there. It's going to be crowded for now. I'm not a big fan of Antonio Callaway right now. You're right. The talent is there. It's just a matter of if he can stay focused in the game, whether Baker Mayfield will trust him if he's given the opportunity. What about you, Andrew? Any any tidbits? Yeah, I'm. I think again, I think we all agree the talent is there. You know, Callaway was honestly some people had talked that he could have been a first round pick, but he just had all these off the field issues. So I mean, the talent's there, but. My just my main concern is it's definitely going to be something to watch in the preseason. But my main concern is, from a fantasy perspective, how much can Baker support all these guys? I know we're going to have that Jared Goff receiver and Gurley argument some point down the line. But I just look at Baker and it's like, okay, Odell Beckham, we all have him top six, I believe. Jarvis Landry is probably a shoe in to be a top twenty four receiver, top twenty eight ish probably in PPR just because of the volume. 
Nick Chubb looked phenomenal. And then look, like it or not, Kareem Hunt's going to have a role by week 10. He, he's going to have one in some capacity. So it's just how much can Callaway help in, you know, kind of your standard league. I mean, maybe I think in a 14 team league, he should be drafted 14 team and above, especially when you start getting into those leagues like we have situated where you're having two flexes. I mean, sure, but I'm just Callaway is just really not on my, my redraft radar yet. But it's just something, I guess, to keep an eye on. Yeah, for me, it's about getting a cheap piece of, the, of that Cleveland offense. And, and for me, he's a guy that I think, you know, when you start looking at valuable targets, I think he's going to be able to get deep with all of the, the focus being on Odell and Jarvis. So I'm going to go ahead and take a stab. But he's a guy I'm definitely keeping an eye on to see how he develops. And then my last guy, I'm going down to San Francisco. I like Trent Taylor. There's been some reports that, you know, his rapport with, with Jimmy Garoppolo is, is clear. And I, I know a lot of people are on a Dante Pettis hype train and things like that. But that, that slot receiver, I think, is going to be Trent Taylor's. And one of their beat reporters even reporting that, that he thinks that Trent Taylor will lead that team in receptions and targets this year. I, I was shocked to see him on your list, to be honest. I had honestly forgotten about this guy. I mean, it's not a diss on on Taylor. I mean, he just had some bad injury luck last year that really hampered him. But my main concern with the passing offense in San Francisco is this. George Kittle has his role solidified. I think last year, I think Kittle had what? I think he had five touchdowns, right? I mean, he had an absurd amount of yards. I think that was kind of fluky. But I think you can expect Kittle to find the end zone more this year. I, I think he's got his role solidified. And then you just have a bunch of dart throws. Dante Pettis is primed for a breakout. I think the talent is there for Pettis. You have Debo Samuel, who they bought in. You even have Jordan Matthews, who might make the team. I don't know if he should, but he's there. Like You just have a bunch of guys. Not to forget, you have Tevin Coleman. Jarek McKinnon is going to result in that passing game. Matt Breida is going to break his leg in Week 2, and then he'll be out there in Week 3. They just have so many pieces on that offense that I think Trent Taylor is someone to just, like you mentioned, look out for. But it's someone who I don't know if I'm really paying most or paying much attention to. I really can't even get the words out here because I just, I don't know, man. I just, uh, I think if your name isn't George Kittle, um, I don't really want to party you. I'm right there with Andrew. I'm really interested right now just to kind of see how this wide receiver core shakes out in San Francisco. Definitely have a lot of mishmash of guys. Jimmy Garoppolo going out so early last season, he never really got to develop a lot of chemistry with anyone. So it'll be interesting to see who he gravitates to. Last year, it was all about Marquise Goodwin going into the season. Yeah, another guy. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. And I'm I'm actually really excited to to watch it go down. You know, I'm a big fan of Kyle Shanahan and what he's been able to do with his offenses. And and I'm really interested to see what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I, I think the guy's got a lot of talent. It'll be interesting if he can if he can really raise the stakes this coming season and stay healthy. All right. So basically uh, what you all are both saying, I just want to thank both of you for shitting on my wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think he's got a lot of talent, but so do a lot of the other guys on that team. It's just a matter of, of how that's going to shake out for me. I mean, just don't know who Jimmy Garoppolo is going to gravitate towards right now. I mean, last year we saw, what, three three different quarterbacks for that team? I mean, it's just a matter of just waiting and seeing right now. It could be the guy. Trent Taylor could be the guy. He, he could be, you know, the Wes Welker of that team. Who knows? So who's up next? Let's go, Andrew. Let's hear, let's hear your guys and see where we're at. 
Let's um actually, you know, since we're since it's fresh on our mind, let's talk about Damian Harris. That's kind of someone I want to watch in the preseason. I think, you know, the early observations out of training camp is that he is going to be their short yardage back. You know, we saw Mike Gillisley do that a few years ago and, you know, I think he might have been a top twelve running back season, you know, out of him. But I think I just want to see what Harris's role is and I also kind of in part of Harris's role is Sony Michelle. How's he gonna look in the preseason? I think if Michelle's health is in doubt. Damien Harris will ascend to a bigger role. But I think either way, Harris could be a potentially attractive fantasy option, kind of maybe more in standard leagues. I think if Michelle is healthy, I think Harris will be a, a decent standard option, maybe as a third running back. But just someone I want to see if the talent's there and see if Harris kind of stands out in the preseason. Yeah, for me, I've actually seen enough of Damian Harris at Alabama to kind of know what I feel on him. And then you go ahead and you put him in into that offense and, and what Belichick's going to end up doing. He's the guy that's going to end up on a lot of my teams just as that late-round dart throw because if things don't work out with Tony Michelle, I, I think that offense, I don't think you're going to see Rex Burkhead taking over the the role You know, as far as the, the primary feature guy. I think you're, you're going to have games, even if Sony Michelle is healthy, where they rotate in and out. And I, I think you're going to be able to get some play out of Damian Harris this year. You know how I feel about the New England team. <laughs> so, you know, if I could get him as one of my last picks in the draft, if it, if he just kind of falls to me in that area, you know, I'll take, I might take a swing at him. I mean, I wouldn't have any issues with that. See, we changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> it just depends on who's all around him at that point in time. It's like what what's left for me anyway. I mean, I I could see him as being a potential goal line back in this offense. So you just never know with Belichick and. If I can get him as my last pick, I won't hate on it. So who's up next, Andrew? Yeah, so we're actually going to go to two Tampa Bay Buccaneers since I guess I have a love affair with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fantasy offense. Justin Watson is someone I'm going to look for in the preseason. You know, kind of the assumption is he's going to be taking on the Adam Humphreys role, even though that is kind of not solidified yet. You know, Bruce Arians said some good things about Watson and kind of just mentioning that he's kind of been moving, you know, in the slot and outside the slot. He can kind of work both ranges. You know, Adam Humphreys was maybe the quietest uh, wide receiver too last year. He was wide receiver number 24 overall in PPR leagues. Aaron's usually supports these guys. So I'm not saying Watson will be some kind of, you know, if he gets the slot role, he'll be a shoe-in top 24 receiver. But I mean, look, it could be someone who, you know, could be a top 36 wide out in, in deeper leagues, of course. And kind of as a bi-week replacement. Yeah, for me, Justin Watson's a big dynasty guy to, to go ahead and put deep in deep leagues. You start looking at his metrics and everything, his college dominator, he had a 60.3 college dominator score. You know, you look at his workout metrics, he's 6'2", 215, ran a 4.49, which is in the 71st percentile for wide receivers. All of his numbers across the board are all good. He just needs that opportunity He's got a different body style than what Adam Humphreys had, but this is a whole new coaching staff that's over there. So he's a guy that I'll be keeping an eye on as well and, and a guy that I think should be a, a stash on a, a lot of deep dynasty league. Anything from you, Kilby? You want to talk about our uh, our next favorite white boy slot receiver? <laughs> uh, I, You know, honestly, I haven't really been able to have the time to look into Justin Watson. I'm just going to have to... Uh, trust you guys on this particular one but now that you've brought him up it it definitely brings him to my attention to uh look into for sure yeah it's it's it, 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 he looks like adam humphreys yeah. with better profiling like scott kind of mentioned my third guy is everyone's favorite maybe man that might have been one of the all-time busts in fantasy football at least in my history is ronald jones last year 30 total touches last year 
mind-blowing to me. It's just someone I have to watch in the preseason. Bruce Arians is hyping the man up like none other. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I think Bruce Arians said he was the most explosive player on the field the other day, and he broke off a long run. So I'm just so curious about Ronald Jones. You know, I was super intrigued of, you know, of him coming out of college last year. I'm not ashamed to say that in my redraft rankings uh, last year in PBR leagues, I would have taken Ronald Jones' first running back off the board among those rookie running backs. You know, the guy had 1,600 yards rushing his last year of college, 19 touchdowns combined with another touchdown receiving. I just think Jones has a lot of a lot of upside that we just have to see. I mean, you know, when you look at fantasy, you look at, you know, kind of the opportunities you get, and the Bucks didn't bring anyone. They didn't bring in anybody. I mean, are you going to tell me that they're just going to rely on Peyton Barber? I don't think so. So I think Jones is that ninth round ADP. You just might as well go for it. I think in my book, I think your third and fourth running back, if you really feel strongly about your team, can be a throwaway. I mean, I, I think they might get replaced, you know, in the middle of the year. Last year, we saw Damian Williams. Some leagues saw Chris Carson off the waiver wire. I think running backs kind of come and go sometimes. And I think to take Ronald Jones as a bench running back is definitely worth a pick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen what Bruce Arians has been able to do with, with that running back position with his with his particular type of offense. He likes to spread the field, which opens up space. We'll, we'll just see how it shakes out with that competition between him and Peyton Barber and see who comes out on top. If Ronald Jones really comes through this season and uh, really takes this serious, which from what I heard from last season, he didn't really take a lot of this seriously. The sky's the limit. I mean, he, he's got the opportunity. He's got a great coach, but if he isn't going to produce, then he's going to be on the bench. Yeah, for me, I, I think it's an interesting watch during the preseason, but is he going to run with the ones? Is he going to run with twos? How much run is he going to get in preseason to kind of clarify that position? I actually think they're going to bring somebody else in. You know, I, th- I think he, you can look at Theoretic. I don't think he'll end up being there, but I, I think some running backs are going to get cut. Like, a, you know, somebody like TJ Yeldon in, in Buffalo could end up being on the outside looking in and end up in, in Tampa Bay and, and, and causing problems with that whole mix. But it's interesting because both Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber, their ADPs are right there close with each other. And it's a situation if you want to kind of take a stab at, you could probably get both of them in the ninth, tenth round. It's not really an offense that I want to kind of like take a stab at the running backs. I'm more interested in the wide receiver and the passing aspects of this offense, but I'll definitely be keeping an eye on Ronald Jones as well during the preseason. Kilby, let's hear your players. I'm, I'm pretty interested because I think, you know, the average fancy player might have never heard of some of your guys, so I'd like you to introduce them to us. Yeah, well, I'm going to start out with Terry McLaurin. A lot of things that I'm hearing about this guy, he's been dominating the competition uh, in training camp. He's been creating a lot of space on his routes. He's even been taking all-pro corner Josh Norman to the cleaners. You know, he already has a rapport with Dwayne Haskins, you know, from their Ohio State days. So it's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, they're already saying, that, you know, he should have a good prominent role on this team. And then at some point they're going to see what they got in Dwayne Haskins, Case Keenum, He's had a good run. Maybe he sticks it out through the whole season, but I got a feeling before the end of the season, we're definitely going to see Dwayne Haskins out there and connecting him with his old buddy, Terry McLaurin. So he's a guy I want to keep an eye on right now. Just kind of see where this develops and goes. I'm interested to hear what Scott Smith has to say about this because I know he's a huge Redskins fan. Yeah, I'm a sad Redskins fan, so <laughs> to be more accurate. Um, you know, one of the problems that you really have is, is trying to evaluate wide receivers in that Ohio State offense because of the way they run it and some of the things that they 
do. I mean, if you look at production metrics, there's nobody in their right mind that would have sat there and told you that they were absolutely confident about Mike Thomas coming out of Ohio State. I mean, it had a lot of people actually touting the other Mike Thomas from Southern Mississippi the same year over Mike Thomas from Ohio State. You look at his college dominator numbers for Terry McLaurin, 17.7%. That's 18th percentile for wide receivers coming out of college. He does have good speed scores, 98th percentile, 40 time at 4.35. The speed score, 95th percentile. So he's got some interesting things there. My issue is, is as a, a realist, being a Redskins fan, I just don't think the Redskins offense is going to do anything this year. I'd like it to be a red shirt year for Haskins. Unfortunately, I think once you're when you have a rookie quarterback and if you're going to sit him, once you're out of the playoffs, you got to throw him to the fire. But I think that offense is just going to struggle year in and year out, especially with, with Trent Williams not reporting right now. You don't want to throw Haskins out there to go get killed. You know, they did just go ahead and sign Donald Penn, but he's not somebody that I have any faith in whatsoever. So I, I think this is going to be, you're going to have Case Keenum out there throwing it, and they're going to be getting beat down in a lot of games this year. It's it's, it's a sad day to, to be a Redskins fan. So I'll keep an eye on what McLaurin does. I think he'll get a lot of run in the preseason, but I don't know that he's going to be able to make a dent on any roster this year. I, th- I think, you know, that's why we have this kind of list, you know, to keep an eye on these guys in preseason and probably – Eight of these, you know, possibly eight of these guys aren't even going to do anything. So I think, I think it's an interesting look. You know, I think the most intriguing pass catching option for me in Washington outside of Jordan Reed is I think Trey Quinn. I think Trey Quinn's got that slot locked down. And I think in PPR leagues, that could be something that you could really look at. So, you know, putting that into play, I think the interesting thing about McLaurin is he could definitely be that outside guy. I mean, he's a six foot tall dude who could maybe slot in outside. You know, they say he's been making plays. So, Definitely something to look for. It's not something, you know, I'm banking on just because, like Scott mentioned, I mean, that Redskins offense could be a complete dumpster fire. You know, it's just kind of something that I'm interested in. But, you know, you said something, Kilby, that I, I kind of take into play here that maybe some other people don't. I think that connection with Dwayne Haskins could be a big deal. I think that's that's good for a rookie quarterback to have, and I think maybe that could make the transition easier. But it'll definitely just be something, I think, in deeper leagues and in dynasty leagues that you should take a look at because, you know, if you're like us, you know, you have a big auction league, and we like taking stabs at these rookies, and I think that's someone who you could definitely take a stab at and uh, see what you get out of it. Yeah, exactly. So my next guy here is going to be Mr. Mark Andrews. With the injury to Hayden Hurst last year, Andrews had an opportunity to, you know, step on the field with Lamar Jackson. They started to build some chemistry with one another, and, you know, it actually became a quite a beautiful thing for Andrews' first season don't really expect tight ends to develop super quickly. And I'm saying Andrews had an amazing season or anything, but you definitely saw that the talent was there and that he was coming along a lot quicker than a lot of tight ends that we see. Reports are that that's carried over on into this season. Lamar Jackson is consistently looking for him. And I just want to ask you guys on this one. Do you take draft stock in the the consideration at this point? Hayden Hurst was taken in the first round. Mark Andrews was taken in the third with the way this is playing out, draft stock, typically you would see them start to move back towards Hayden Hurst. But do you really think that comes into play here? For me, I don't think it does. I think, you know, Mark Andrews, he had third round draft stock when he was coming out. So, you know, he's he's a guy I think they like. You know, he, he's going he's gonna to be a big part of the offense this year. I actually could see a situation where he ends up leading that offense. Those wide receivers aren't necessarily set. You've got two rookies and, and, you know, Willie Sneed out there. So 
I'm interested to see how they play with Lamar Jackson and, and reports coming out from Harbaugh over the last couple of days is that they think Lamar Jackson's gonna gonna break the quarterback rushing record this year. So it'll be interesting to see. But if I had to bank on any one player out there in, in Baltimore being his go-to guy, it's probably gonna be Mark Andrews. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's super interesting. Um, and to answer your question, Kilby, I think draft stock is something you you look at on a per player basis i think when you look at someone like ronald jones i'm personally going to be like okay well let me see what ronald jones can give in year two because of his draft stock and who he was comes to mark andrews i'm going to look at what he did last year and the fact that he really performed well and he got that rapport with lamar jackson so i'm really not going to take into consideration that okay well he was a third round pick and he did better than the first round pick but maybe he'll digress because the first round pick's still there i think look mark andrews looked good and he's looking good at training camp and I think Mark Andrews is someone that everyone should keep an eye on I think you know the best way to describe tight end is if you don't get those top five guys you just might as well wait it out and just throw some darts and stream I mean I I played in some leagues I won a league last year where I streamed tight end every week I mean you could look at guys like Chris Herndon and you know some of those guys were starting for me at the end up in the playoffs so I think Someone like Mark Andrews completely worth a dart throw, and you know I'll be watching him in the preseason. But you know I'm, I almost won't be paying much attention to him in a positive way because I'm already you know pretty pretty confident that he's got his role carved out and he he should be that number one tight end in Baltimore. I agree. I really like what I'm seeing there. Baltimore Ravens they're going to be more of a run heavy offense, but when it comes down to it, Lamar Jackson's looking for a security blanket. I like Mark Andrews to be that guy. My next guy here is going to be one probably no one's really heard of, and this guy is John Vea Johnson. I'm seeing a lot of excitement about out of the uh, Dallas Cowboys training camp here about this guy. He put on a great rookie training camp, OTAs, and he's carried that over into the later training camp that's going on now. This guy ran a 4.3840, uh, averaged over 21 yards a catch at Toledo. With Alan Hearns being gone and you know with Randall Cobb's injury history, if this guy makes the team, I mean, honestly, I you know, I could see potentially if Cobb did go down, he could potentially put something out there. I mean, he's he's been a burner down the field. He's been impressing the coaches. You know, this is this is definitely a very very deep take here. I'm not saying this is something like way deep into the season. Something happens, might want to look into this guy, but he's definitely been impressing. He's caught my eye. I don't know if you guys have heard about him, but if you looked into him after I mentioned him, I'd be interested in what you have to say. Look, for me, when I saw the show notes, I was like, who the hell is John Vea Johnson? <laughs> I, like, I, I didn't know who the hell he was. I'm just going to admit. So I went ahead through that name in the old Twitter fear and... What do I see? I see him burning burning DBs in Dallas camp by like five and six yards and, and getting deep and, and whatnot. So I, I think there's definitely something there. You know, how how much is it? He's going to be like a fifth or sixth guy if he ends up making the uh, the roster at all. But, you know, just the highlights that I saw off of Twitter and, and, and camp, he was getting deep and he was getting open by like five and six yards deep. So the the question is, is what level of competition is that against a DB that's going to be cut next week after the first preseason game? I don't know. But, he, you know, I, I'll watch. I'll check him out just to see what he does, see if he can go ahead and get deep in some of these preseason games. And if he does, he, he might make a roster. Like Scott, I had no clue who he was, but it's funny that that happened because I kind of went down a little 10 minute rabbit hole of just John Vea Johnson and some YouTube highlights. The thing I, the thing that's interesting about me is I, I wish 
this guy was somewhere else. I, I think his, his metrics are off the charts. I, I think he's in the high percentile, you know, in the 40-yard dash, which doesn't mean much, but he's got a decent burst story. He's got some good agility. Catch radius was de- decent. But, I mean, just the Cowboys in general, I mean, I don't see much upside for any of the wide receivers there that isn't Amari Cooper, and much less someone like John Bad Johnson who profiles as someone who's going to burn you downfield. So, that's kind of where my love for him would teeter off. I think if he was really in a lot of different places, I think he, he could maybe be interesting downfield threat. But I just don't see much there outside of a dynasty league. Now, again, if you're in a league like we are in, if you're in a dynasty league, a, a deeper dynasty league, I think he's worth a flyer just to see how it plays out. But, I mean, you have Cobb, you have Michael Gallup, who uh, I was so high on Michael Gallup last year. I think you guys knew that, and he just kind of faltered. And I just kind of realized at that point, I was like, I do not know if Dallas will ever be able to support a number two wide receiver, a really good you know, second wide receiver. I mean, most people doubted them to support Mari Cooper, and they kind of did that. But, I mean, how, how much more can they support? So, John Bay Johnson... Someone that if you're in a deep league, dynasty league, kind of, I, I can see watching him just to see if he, he continues to be uh to be blowing people out the water. Yeah, no, I I agree with you guys. I mean, his, his name just kind of popped up for me. I thought it'd be fun just to throw it out there. I mean, this being training camp watch and going into the preseason, I just thought it'd be a fun name to throw out there for people to just be like, what? Um, I mean, he caught he 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 to catch three to catch thirty passes in a college season and then catch for like almost seven hundred yards is pretty is pretty insane. Oh so. yeah, <laughs> a- a- absolutely. I mean, this is one of those deep takes where I just wanted to give a a, a very talented person you know that went undrafted a little bit of love here. You know, so Bea Johnson college yards per route twenty point six. That's the ninety fifth percentile. That's crazy. He's definitely got the deep speed and look. You know, he's, he's probably he's probably a guy that's not going to make a roster that's not going to do anything. But God help you if he does. This is this is what careers are made out of in the fantasy football industry is throwing your flag in a guy like John Vea Johnson and watching <laughs> him blow up. Yeah, I hope so. so. Well, that that's going to conclude this podcast for us, guys. This has been fun. The uh, the maiden voyage here. The John Vea Johnson episode, right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll put the first one in the books, and uh, you know, if you're listening out there, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrinkle some of these uh, things out, and it'll be a lot smoother going on from here. You know, but you know, just to look for us in the in the upcoming weeks, we're gonna go ahead and, and kind of key in on some of our rankings. I'm actually gonna be uploading my rankings to Fantasy Pros tomorrow, so if, if you're listening to this, you can go ahead and check those out. And in the upcoming weeks, we're gonna go ahead and key in on our, all of our quarterback, tight end, running back, and wide receiver rankings, and and hit on some of our draft strategies and you know some of our sleepers, our busts, and the guys that uh, you know we can't leave drafts without. And, and so we'll kind of mix in some dynasty, some redraft, and, and things of that nature. Andrew, anything you want to add? No, Scott, I think you you really nailed it. And just, you know, anyone listening, you know, just bear with us. We're going to get this kinked out. And also just, look, we're going to, hopefully I'm going to try to, you know, help these older folk that are the other two older folk that are on this podcast. I would love to get, you know, into it on Twitter. I think Twitter's a great piece. And I think especially in the fantasy community, I know every morning I check Twitter and I literally search my players' names just to see if anything's happened with them. So I think Twitter's a cool piece that, I would love to get involved with, whether it be, you know, video updates, video rankings, and to kind of help with our podcast. I think if you guys are listening, shoot that a follow. Four Downs podcast, go do do a little search on Twitter and shoot us a follow. Yep, that'll do it. So, signing off. We are out.